It's July 2018, and the state of Massachusetts has given out its first recreational license to sell adult-use marijuana. Cause for celebration? Well, don't bogart that joint just yet. Lester's Cultivate gets the prize, but doesn't have a license to grow it yet. Huh? This is what happens when government gets involved with a business they just don't understand. Just ask Attorney General Mara Healy, who wants to give towns in Massachusetts more rights to slow down this process. Once again, voters speak to allow recreational use of cannabis in the state, but the government treats this new fledgling industry like a necessary evil. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNSmedia.com network. You can also find the video recording of this entire program on the brand new, drumroll please, theweedtube.com. We're talking with Bob Karp, who is a, uh, a certified expert on the marijuana cannabis business They've been getting it for years. Exactly. Okay, and and walk through the streets of Boston at night sometimes. It's here. You know, I was on a um, on an after it was a networking cruise, and I was talking to a young man in his twenties, and we were talking about this subject. And I told him, I said, I have a medical card, and you know, I use it, and you know, I manage to function every day relatively well. And he says, Yeah, anytime I want it, I just have to go on my phone here and I call this guy and he shows up a half hour later. You walk the streets of Boston, you go to a, a Celtics game, you smell it in the parking lot, you smell it on the way to the garden. Sometimes you might even smell it in the garden, even though we know smoking's illegal inside buildings. It's here. It's not going away. And I agree with you that regulating it, controlling it, so you know what you're getting, still makes the most sense to people who use it on a regular basis. But how, I guess going from what has been used for years and years and now moving into a regulated, controlled environment is the nature of modern uh, business and industry. So again, I, I, it's almost like I want to take all these legislators, all these local townspeople, and just take them on a drive around the area, around the state, around their own town. And say, you see that? They can get it over there. You see that? You can get it over there. Oh, look. Look what they're doing over there. They're dabbing over there with, an, with a vape pen. You couldn't even know it if, they were, if it was right next to you sometimes. So th- you're right. I mean, they're putting up their own fronts, I think, for their own personal selfish agenda. Because that's their, they're empowered with the title as town councilor. Or I don't know if it's mayor so much, but certainly town councilor, town alderman, that sort of thing. Um, and I, I don't know what it's going to take to get them to realize that no matter how much resistance they put in place, it's not going to stop the fact that it's here and it's legal. Uh, totally agree. It's a good thing we agree a lot. You, you know, know, by the way, absolutely. I'd love to get a prohibitionist in here, though, to go at them. But go ahead. <laughs> That'll I, happen too I, someday. I think one of the issues is... A lot of the towns are finally getting comfortable with medical because they realize that there is tremendous state control over it. But to them, recreational, we're now the wild, wild west. Anyone over 21 can walk in and buy X amount of cannabis. Mm -hmm. Well, anyone over 21 can get it anyway at the end of the day. Right. But 
By making it legal, we're going to help ensure that the product is safe for consumption. Right. I, I work in every state where it's legal, and there's so many places the chemistry's just not good. They'll find pesticides, mold, bacteria, because the people are trying to grow it as cheaply as possible, or mix in stuff that they grew cheaply with stuff they're hoping to get to market. But the samples get caught. And at the end of the day, by having some kind of uniform approach, it will save lives. It will create more jobs. It will ensure that if you take an edible that says 10 milligrams, you're not just getting a batch someone whipped up and by accident, oh, I spilled, you know, a hundred times that amount in it. Right. Because it's so cheap, it doesn't matter to them. We want to know that the stuff that is going to be put out in the street by any company licensed is going to be safe for consumption and the ingredients are going to meet what's actually printed on the label. Yeah. And and, and also, uh, I talked with this about uh, to Kamani too, is educate the patient advocates at the dispensaries in the business so they know um, that if you have a sativa versus an indica balanced flower, this is going to have this effect on you as opposed to that effect on you. And, you know, it's not dissimilar. I said this. I wrote a blog about this a little while ago. It's actually available on the CLNS Media uh, website. In 1937, the wrong drug was prohibited. If alcohol was legal for the first time in 2018, what would we be going through as a society? We'd have to educate people that you can have a glass of wine and actually function. We're going to have to educate the fact that on every um, storefront, you know, there's going to be a liquor store. I mean, we've accepted alcohol in our, in our society now for uh, almost 100 years. But they still resist a less dangerous item because they've been told it's been illegal for a long time, it's going to do these horrible things to you, and all those things that they were being told were propagandized by the white capitalist um, William Randolph Hearst of the world in the 1920s and 30s who didn't want the hemp industry to affect their printing industry. And needless to say, it also helped them keep the Jim Crow South going and and keep the... um, other people that aren't necessarily born and raised in America from taking part in this and getting any hand on any kind of a new business. It really was designed back then to uh, stop the Mexican-Americans coming in, the uh, African-Americans who are the, uh, a lot of culture people, people in music and what have you. Um, it, it, they just wanted to keep them in their place. And it was really driven by racism. And that's why I try not to use the word marijuana. Now, it is in your business because that is still the industry, I guess. The states still use it for their nomenclature. It's still bills are passed at, uh, you know, through it. Your point is very valid. One of the things that has made alcohol legitimate is the fact that media has been allowed to absorb money and to pass a message that is designed to say, Um, alcohol makes for a better time. Consumed responsibly, and they obviously are trying to make sure that that's one of their trademarks. Correct. It is an enjoyable substance. It makes times better. It brings friends together. Some of this is fiction they've created by hiring very beautiful people to be seen on on television commercials. Cannabis, it's a little more of a difficult draw to show people sitting around smoking, vaping, or doing edibles, and because the 
in story is people think that anyone who's done it's going to be silly or just not cognizant. It's the stoner stereotype. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and it boggles their mind that they're actually normal people using this on a regular basis. CEO level um, business people use it. Doctors are using it. Everybody's using it in the privacy of their own homes and in their own worlds. Exactly, because of the stigma still attached to it that you smoke marijuana, which is still, we'll call it quasi-legal. Yeah, well, it, it's accepted, it's here, you can get it, whether you get it through a regulated dispensary or you get it through uh, somebody's number that you have on your uh, in your smartphone that you Absolutely. know you can just get it and have it delivered to you. Absolutely. Um, we're talking with Bob Carp of the Carp Law Group in West Roxbury, am I right? Um, actually, now working out of Newton, but yeah. That's okay. We can. Newton is, of course, my hometown, too, just okay. for the record, so I throw that in there. That's cool. Um, a national lecturer on the subject of cannabis legalization, uh, getting into business, the laws and regulations. Bob, I'm amazed that you have an expertise, not just here in your own home state of Massachusetts, but you understand that each state has different regulations, different rules. There have been some mistakes by other states when they introduce this. Have you found that the Massachusetts Commission is doing enough homework on some of the uh, implementations of adult use in Nevada or in California or in any of the other legal states like Colorado? Let me put it this way. They've bought all the textbooks. Have they done the homework? No, I'm not convinced. And let me tell you why. Mm -hmm. As you very pointedly uh, commented, July 1st has come and gone. If you want me medical, uh, I'm sorry, recreational marijuana, good luck finding it. Realistically, cities should want it sold for the tax money. But unfortunately, we have a commission, and I'm not saying it's entirely their blame, mm -hmm. because they obviously have to move to the, at the speed of the people. They have mm -hmm. hearings. But if you go to other states, some of them are just so much better run, you would think I would take a model of someone that's doing a great job. As far as I'm concerned, there's absolutely no damage in modeling after someone that's making money and doing it well. I would rather imitate success than imitate failure any day of the week. Massachusetts insists on giving birth to its own program. And it's just, I, I watch people, I watch people that I deal with on a daily basis, lawyers, other businessmen, financiers, people who are involved in this, just literally tear their hair out at just this snail's pace, the fact it's just not going anywhere. It's just the rollout is, is painful. We passed the law years ago, and it's still nowhere near any anywhere near being fulfilled. One of the things that we talked about uh, in a podcast earlier was the fact that uh, one of the delays is being caused by the there's no regulators, there's not a testing lab. Now, seems to me that if you're going to start a new business that's based on the purification of the product, that you would have had a testing lab be one of the first things you put in place, not one of the last things. And I, I'm it boggles my mind again, why didn't they think of that? There's so many things they didn't think of or they did think of and didn't want to address. There are testing labs that are now open. Some of them do do good work. They do it in the under the Department of Public Health for the medical community. Right. Those testing Correct. labs are there. I've yes. 
But recreational, once again, there's not enough. That sometimes the barriers to entry for some of these labs are great. Requires a lot of money and a lot of real knowledge. The standard operating procedures for um, a medical marijuana lab are daunting unless you've already done it. The whole idea is let's help people get into business. We have right. you know, a subset of people that unfortunately have not been able to be hired despite the fact there's robust employment. Let's embrace everyone. Let's give everyone a shot. We have an industry now that's fledgling that will absorb more help than it can find. And yet it's being stymied by our legislators. One of the things that the Massachusetts law has, and they keep waiving this, is the fact that we want to give those who have been incarcerated, those who come from lower economic, lower uh, social economic classes, an opportunity to get into this business. Is that window dressing more than anything else? It's only win window dressing. As far as I'm concerned, it's a, a very cruel joke. A very cruel joke. You have suburb, oh, I'm sorry, you have certain urban, urban areas, even suburbs, where the police have arrested countless people for marijuana charges, other ancillary charges, and yet we say we want to give back to them because we feel that they've been unfairly... They feel guilty. Exactly. It's guilt. Okay, fine. We're going to say, okay, we'll give you some preference. Unfortunately, there's still other criminal acts, not to mention, where are they going to get the capital? Criminals have a lot of trouble getting the capital unless they steal it. Right. You're not going to find legitimate businessmen who say, okay, I understand that you're now a viable entity, but you still are being run by someone with a criminal record, and most of these people do not want to finance these operations. So I'm saying to you, we're going to let you run a business. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to find the money to get the doors open. Here's the license. Good luck doing anything with it. Yeah, I, I, it, it's, it's crazy. I'm glad that they're trying to do it. I'm not going to take away the fact that the letter of the law, if you will, their purpose is true. It's, I think it's more self-serving than it is anything else. It's definitely self-serving. And I get contacted by these people are then contacted by other people saying, we'll help you get into business. We'll help you finance it, organize it, put together all the business systems. And the price, unfortunately, for that leaves very little for the entrepreneur whose name is being carried on all the applications. It's essentially someone else coming in and buying their rights and using them as window dressing. So they don't see the real advantage. Will they get something? Yes. Is it what they should be getting if they own the operation? Not even close. Of the 30 dispensaries that are open for medical cardholders in the state of Massachusetts, how many of those are funded by out-of-state investors? Do you know the answer to that? I don't know, but it has to be at least half. If at least half, more. right? At least half. Right. And even with those that have majority funding from in-state, I'm confident that there's out-of-state funding in almost all of them. Maybe it might be one part, but there's out-of-state money looks at Massachusetts as a very robust, very profitable market. And a lot of people are willing to get in, essentially take a lower return on their money for the opportunity for higher volume. Right, because ultimately it's the first East Coast state to have it legalized. Um, I think it's one of the first to actually talk about having some kind of social clubs involved with this. 
How, how difficult is that going to be for the commission to actually create the regulations around those social clubs? There are social clubs starting to open. There should not be any regulations. What I do inside my private home obviously should be endemic to me. The issue is they worry about the people coming out of the private clubs who smoke too much. Are they serving alcohol in there? The state feels that because of our infancy, we need to be regulated. And these are grown people. And unfortunately, the state does not give us enough credit. Unlike Maine, where it's a lot more of a hands-off approach, yes, there's definitely regulations. But Massachusetts, unless they're there watching you do it, it seems like they don't have a comfort factor that it's going to be done right. It's just over-regulated at this point, And the over-regulation is stifling the industry. And will it survive? I mean, I'm hoping it will survive in that, you know, I work for uh, an organization that uh, has a progressive lifestyles magazine, Sensi magazine that's out there and has been successful in Colorado, in Las Vegas and in California. And but there's still concern that this industry will actually finally get off the ground. And you're talking about stifling the beginnings of it. Um, Won't it be? easier, not easier, but isn't it just, if you go out and you start an industry and maybe you start it and after a year or so you realize that one of the rules of regulations isn't working the way you had hoped it would work, you can make a change at that point, can't you? The populace can make a change, not the individual. The individual is getting into the industry, unfortunately, is handcuffed by the existing laws. And if there's something that doesn't work for them, which I can give you countless examples, unfortunately, what is their recourse? They're not going to sue to get it overturned because that's going to be a long, expensive, fruitless pass. The whole idea is we have an industry. We're seeing that it's going to be robust. We should be working to attract more investments. We should be working to create regulations that make sense. We should be working towards helping these people get open, employ more people, Educate the populace. Educate educate the populace. Work with medical professionals. Even if they're just providing raw data, there's so many programs I've helped people set up where someone will come in and they'll have ordered something, and then on their repeat visit, the person who's in charge of their actual sale will say, could I ask you just to fill out this five questions, or I'll answer it. What did you get last time? What was it for? Did it help or didn't it help? on a scale of 1 to 10, just very, very minor questions that you can answer in 10 seconds mm-hmm. that you can then pass on to a doctor who will put it into a database and will be able to extract some kind of hopefully nugget that shows, well, we're onto something based on their data. It wasn't scientific, but it's giving me guidance in which direction. may only be pointing northeast, west, or south, not south by southwest, but it's giving me an entrance to where I need to look to find specific kind of extracts or drugs that can be created from that kind of cannabis for that kind of ailment it was supposed to address. There you go. Well, you've been listening to In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, a podcast that focuses on the beginnings of a new world, legal cannabis in Massachusetts. Kamani Jefferson has been our in-studio guest. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNSmedia.com network. You can also find the video recording of this entire program on theweedtude.com. Coming up on the next few episodes of In the Weeds, Bob Karp joins me in studio. He is one of the most, the foremost legal authorities on building a cannabis business and the author of 
the Marijuana Business Licensing Guide of 2017, plus four more books about licensing and setting up your cannabis business. That's coming up next on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. In the Weeds is a podcast produced at the studios of Little Park Media in Wellesley, Massachusetts for the listening enjoyment of our audience. None of the opinions or advice on this program should be considered medical advice or a substitute for seeing a certified medical marijuana practitioner or your local physician. All opinions and thoughts on this show do not necessarily represent the management of CLNS Media Group or Little Park Media.